Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Fire up for pro football. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't kill you. We play some competitive sports once in a while, wouldn't it? Oh, would that make you love me? Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Well, hey, good morning. We are here bright and early. 8 a.m. 8 a.m., 8 to 10 a.m. here. Uh, That was a surprise to me as last week I remember teasing 9 to 11 a.m. And then I got the email of our schedule this week and it was like sports or football Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. I was like, wait, what is that? I called the boss. I was like, is this real? Is this a mistake? He goes, oh, no, because the, the oh, Seahawks, Seahawks had a Thursday night game, so we're going to play a couple NFL games starting at 10 a.m. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I, I almost forgot just because, I don't know, I just looked at the at the text that you sent on, was it Tuesday? Yep. Wednesday? Looked at that thing. was like, oh, crap. We do have to be there at like 7-something. Well, I'm glad you were awake for it, though. Oh man, I'll, you know, I'll definitely be up for it. Like, but no, I was I, I looked at it like what last night, sometime right around, you know, like nine thirty. I was like, oh, but it's all good. I mean, there are worse things to do on Sunday mornings than well, there are know, worse things to have happen, like your voice is bro, not here this morning, bro. It was you yeah. walked in, you're like, you're like, dude, I can't, I can't really talk. I was like, well, go get, there's some tea in the kitchen. Go get some warm and water and some. tea. It's even worse when you don't know about it until you leave the house. Like I'm not. I mean, I'm talking to anybody this morning, so <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So I just kind of got up and got ready for to come here and went to the gas station. And I see this. There's there's this girl I see all the time, and we kind of encountered each other. And she was like, "What's your name?" And it came out like Urkel. I mean, Rashad. <laughs> excuse me. Sorry. You know, so it was it was super strange. So yeah, that happened. I mean, about, I shouldn't be laughing because that's kind of sad, but but it's happened to you before, and I wasn't laughing, but you know, I I get it. no, no, no. I mean the, the actual like you trying to talk to a girl and oh yeah, no, that that definitely that, didn't I come laughed, out the way. But that's sad because yeah. if it's been a, a couple of a couple of meetings that have led to no conversation, but just some glances, yeah, you know, some. Some little flutterings in the chest. Yeah, now she thinks that's what my voice sounds like all the time. So. Yeah. Now, well, or she thinks you have it a cool, cool, raspy voice now. I mean, although I guess if it sounded more like Urkel than prepubescent. Yeah, it was real. Voice. It was real scratchy. I mean, if if you listen to the show, then you hear my voice now, and it's it's weird. You know, who, who's who's the weird guy? That's well, weird. as someone who has lost his voice twice uh, since I've worked in radio, um, it, it's just something that you've got to try not to exert as much if that makes sense like you kind of just have to talk calmly but still put energy behind it so people can hear you Mm -hmm. it's weird you'll figure it out maybe um should be good we'll see what happens last time i lost my voice i lost it for like a week and a half that was not fun but you see and it's different you gotta mention it you're on air all week you know i'm just you know just the weekend guy you know right or just really just i mean but you talk at your work though i do I do, but you have to I glad mean, hand people. You got to be like Mister. That's that's true, Mister Big School Guy. You know that's true. You know, but literally big school guy. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm like one of the biggest people in the school, which is kind of, you know, there's this coach that he's like he has to be like six seven, six eight. You know, but outside of that, like I think I might be like the biggest person out of our school. Well, you can soldier through. I believe in you. Keep getting tea in there. Yeah. Uh, 
if you run out, you can go back and refill it if you need, and I can fill some time. Yeah, I'm hard, bro. Don't worry. Like, oh. You know, <laughs> I'll grow up tough. All right. all right. All right, Urkel. It's okay. Um, coming up on the show today, we changed up for the 8 to 10 a.m. shows because we'd like to keep the fantasy stuff as close as we can. And that is still going to be at 930 in the second hour of the show. So if you have fantasy football questions, text them into the Better You Today text line at 55305 or send them to us on Twitter. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 Rashad's at TaylorMade503. Jesse's at Jesse Osman, A-S-Z-M-A-N. Uh, that's coming up at 930. That means we're putting Hate It or Love It at 915, and we're not going to get like a winner for it. It's just going to be see who, see how we answer the questions. And the West Coast Vice is coming up at 830. There's a couple of bits of NFL news that I'd like to chat about, especially one, but another one that maybe as well. I thought it was a joke, but it's not. The Cleveland Browns are going to bring in, or at least are are interested in bringing in Condoleezza Rice. Yes, that Condoleezza Rice. The politician to be their head football coach. And that needs to be discussed. And I don't want to get started on it yet because we don't have enough time because I'm very confused and a little bit frightened. But it could be interesting as well, I guess, if, if, if it turns out that she knows what she's doing. So that's coming up. Uh, in the show, Jalen Ramsey might get traded in the offseason. I saw that from an Adam Schefter report. I think we should talk about that. Also, I really want to get to we haven't really done this throughout this season is there's a lot of games this week that have big playoff implications among teams that are right on that line of being bad or good. It's a good week for football, actually. Like the Packers Seahawks game was the first game that was uh, we're not sure if either of these teams are any good. They're kind of around 500. The winner basically gets to stay alive. The loser's basically out. And uh, that loser was the Packers. So we could talk about that as well. And there's a bunch of games like the Colts and the Texans. And there's all these teams that are playing that are kind of around 500. Dallas, Atlanta. Like, this is going to be a really That need wins. Also, and fantasy people need wins this week as well. So we'll get to all of that. And I will start, though, with, as per usual, uh, the college slate yesterday. And what that means for us is, Usually the Oregon Ducks, because sorry, Beaver fans, your team lost again in big fashion to Washington, although you did put up some points. Uh, Dieter shot me a text yesterday, and he goes, I'm really disappointed in your team, but mine is laying in front of a bus. And I was like, well, at least you guys scored points, because Syracuse lost 36-3 to to Notre Dame in what was billed as the best game of the week. It was not, and I'm very depressed about it, so please, please don't make me relive that moment. Um, people were all over me on Twitter, like, ah, I can't believe series lost. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, just shut up. Please. And yeah, and, and let's not make it sound like they lost to Appalachian State either. No, but they lost to a very good Notre Dame. I know, but the number 12 team in the country shouldn't be held to three points. Granted, starting quarterback gets hurt in the third drive. That doesn't help. Um, but so Oregon State loses to Washington 42 23. And about what you expected, be fans, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, Oregon, on the other hand, skated by. Got to win when they uh, tried to desperately give it away with four turnovers, but they beat Arizona State 31-29. They flipped the script and started well and finished slow. So I guess they fixed one of the things and, and added another problem. But we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks, how they just had the worst starts. And we were all very, very confused about the play calling for Marcus Arroyo and wondering why his scripted plays in the beginning of the game just weren't working. You know, that's what you, you script out like 10, 15 plays because you've studied the defense and you think, you know, it's going to work this time. It all worked this time. You scored 28 points at halftime and then scored three in the second half. So something is still amiss 
with the offense. I mean, today it might, or yesterday it might have just been the turnovers, to be frank. It might not have been the play calling at all. It could have just been Justin Herbert's two picks or uh, Tony Brooks James's fumble or Ugo Amadi's punt return fumble, and all that just leads to Arizona State staying in the game. But, hey, you won the game, 31-29. Got some good defense at the end. Thomas Graham had, like, six pass deflections. So, good win. No, that's that's what you needs to happen. This is the point in the season, uh, especially for the Ducks, where a lot of people are, you know, wondering how you finish. You know, last year, I think we kind of forget how successful they were last year coming off of the really bad Helford year, you know, in his last run. But, you know, they weren't much improved. I think people uh, want to forget about the Willie Taggart year, though. No, I mean, they want to forget, but also it puts you in a position to have a pretty good head coach, get some pretty good recruits. You know, Oregon was the forefront of the college football world for – you know, at least six or seven weeks with the whole Taggart, you know, it's a Florida State thing. So everybody was looking at the the Ducks, you know, program saying, you know, what's going to happen. But fast forward and, you know, you're, you're two games away from possibly having, you know, nine wins on the season, you know, uh, assuming they win their bowl game that they play in. So, you know, this is this is a team that they've just struggled to find consistency. You said it like it's always been slow starts for Oregon and even dating back to Mariota, you know, they've been very kind of slow starts, not knowing what you're going to see at first. And then there's this big burst in the second half. This has been much different for this Ducks team because it's been slow, slow starts. And then like a, maybe a huge burst in the third quarter, right, they get you, that comeback going and, and then you don't see much in the fourth, short, you know, yeah. or right around there. But you know, this was different. You saw them start early and then you saw it. Okay. This is going to be one of those 72 point, Oregon games like right off top and then it didn't really work out like that but it's just finding consistency and making sure these young guys know when you have a lead the lead isn't safe and you have to continue to make sure that you make stops and make plays and when you're young you just think you're, you're going to win the game they're not going to come back and that's what happened that's what happened at Stanford you know you thought you you thought the game was won and you let them come back because you kind of let off you let your foot off the off the gas excuse me I I do want to throw this out there too I know we're gonna have to break here in a second but Actually, let's break and come back right. with this. I'm with it. The the Ducks are seven and five, or seven and four, excuse me, and they play Oregon State next week. Although Oregon State scores a lot of points, and although we've seen the Beavs play close with the Ducks recently, the Ducks are going to win that game, right? Or they should win that game. That's an eight win season. Yet it seems like fans are disappointed in that now, when before the year eight wins was. The Holy that was grail. the goal. Yeah. That was the goal, right? Yeah. So why? And should the mindset have changed in the middle of the season? This is Football Sunday on The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Eight fifteen or eight sixteen, as the clock just switched on the fan. Here early for football Sunday till ten a.m. today. Fantasy scramble still coming up at nine thirty. So text in your questions to the Better You Today text line five five three zero five. Before we get to our West Coast bias next, which is going to be about the Mexico City kerfuffle and the game being moved back to L.A. That's the closest I could get to West Coast bias for you. Uh, and then we get into some Condoleezza Rice and some other stuff. I wanted to pose this question and feel free if you're listening early to text in the better you today text line 55305 Oregon wins yesterday over Arizona State to get to their seventh win assuming nothing crazy happens they're going to beat Oregon State next week in the Civil War on Friday 
That's an eight and four season before the bowl game. I remember distinctly at the beginning of this season, many times, many times when they hired Mario Cristobal going, just get back to a bowl game, get six, seven, eight wins, and you'll feel good about the year, right? Yet going into this week, Oregon has six wins. And you're playing Arizona State, who is middling, but not not the worst team in the world, and has, has done actually pretty well under Herm Edwards, way better than I thought that they would. And that game for them is, if they lose, they're out of the Pac-12 South title chase. So they're, they want that game. And Oregon wins the game, goes seven wins. You beat Washington earlier in the year. You played really well against Stanford, and you should be an eight-win team. But it feels like Duck fans are now disappointed. It feels like the second that they beat Washington, which I understand was a big monkey over the, off the back because it was, you lost, what was it? 70 to 21 last year or two years ago. It was embarrassing. Um, Two years ago, I think it was. And you get that monkey off your back and you beat Washington again, all of a sudden, and I'm guilty of this too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm perfect in this. It's like, wow, they could win the PAC 12. The ducks only had one loss at that point to Stanford. Wow. They could run the table, you know, three more losses later and you're back to where you were before the year. Was it just that one game that switched the mindset? Was it the general run of success that the Ducks have had over the last decade that changed the mindset that quickly and didn't allow for a more realistic rebuild expectation? What was it? Why Why all of a sudden did Duck fans go from, oh, six, seven, eight wins to, oh, Pac-12 championship and then for that we're disappointed? I mean, it, I, I think it was the Stanford game. I'll be honest, because you saw the, you you saw it slip through your fingers. You know, a, a great Stanford team. You know, especially at that point, even now, you know, you saw it slip right through your fingers, and you had that win there, and you knew you were going to beat Stanford, and then you actually beat <clears throat> beat Washington, and from there, it's like, well, why can't the Ducks compete for the national championship? Why can't they be in that top four? Especially, you beat, you almost beat Stanford, ranked team. You beat Washington. Confidence was sky high, and then you come out and lose your next couple. And I think that's when everything changed because you went from, okay, we could still win the North to this team is not ready. Look at the defense. I actually saw a friend last night. Justin post, Herbert should come back. Look, he's not I, ready I just said, I, Exactly. I was just saying, I saw a friend last night post, like, Justin Herbert is overrated. I said, what? You understand he has no receiver. Like, the one receiver he throws to who is amazing – you know, he likely going to get drafted because likely of it going to be drafted, you know, and mind you kind of dodged questions the other day about uh, if he and Herbert and uh, Troy die, were going to be leaving this year in Dylan Mitchell. But man, he's not, you know, he's throwing guys open for the most part. He's not, you know, these guys aren't making plays on their own and, and, you know, running great routes and just beating the defense. No man, Justin Herbert is throwing these guys open. And so I think you're looking at that going, man, we could have been good, and we should have been good, but now, but eight wins was always the goal, you know. And I think, I think for most people, I think I thought eight, seven to eight wins was a great season, considering everything that you went through, considering all the recruits that you lost because of the whole Taggart situation, considering uh, the fact that you, you don't know what your running situation looks like, considering the fact that you don't know, or we, you didn't know what the wide receiver situation looked like coming into the season. Yet and still, you're at seven wins right now with an opportunity to win eight after you play Oregon State, which. Not sure how that works out for them. You know, Oregon State is, you know, crazy sneaky with their offense, so they might be able to pull something off. But you win eight games, 
and then you go on to the bowl uh, bowl game and you win that one. Man, you're talking about a nine-win season. Like yeah. that's coaches, man, get raises based on a nine-win season. Like that's a pretty good year. I know you, you're not used to it because you're used to, you know, eleven and one, and Ducks went twelve and zero, well, and but they ten sh- and two. They should but... be used to it because they also just got a four and eight under Helfrich and a yeah. pretty middling season under Willie Taggart. So we're getting a couple of texts in, and I'll get to those in a second. But um, the thing I think too is because the Pac-12 was so down this year that kind of changed fans mindsets as well because from the get-go we all saw that Jake Browning was not the same that he had regressed and that Washington was not quite as good and we've heard that there's complaints up there that oh my god we lost Jonathan Smith our offense sucks now that's how good Jonathan Smith was there as the offensive coordinator at UW and you've seen it actually at Oregon State because he's still putting up points even though the the Beavs do not have that much talent on the on the team um, you saw Stanford's struggle. USC has looked awful all year. Chip Kelly can barely win a Pac-12 game in, at UCLA. And you're, you're kind of just looking all across the conference. Utah stumbled, lost a couple players to injury. Colorado started hot to play nobody, and now they're waking up. Mm-hmm. You know, Washington State's the only team that's holding the Pac-12 uh, flag proud this year. So I think I think a lot of fans saw that and went – Especially after the Washington win, why not the Ducks? I mean, and look you, at all the other teams fumbling around here in the middle of the conference. You pay so much attention to the beginning of the season. You know, that's when teams are still trying to figure out who and what they are, you know, for the most part. Unless you're Alabama, <clears throat> unless you're Ohio State or one of those teams who has a, a, a tradition of winning. Most teams are still trying to figure out Ohio State's not as good now as they were the first four weeks of the season. They should have lost you know last, I mean? last night. It, exactly. And so... You're, you look at teams that are still trying to figure things out. And Urban so, Meyer looks like he's dying. Like, seriously, can we get this guy some help, please? Urban Meyer, like, whenever it gets tough for him, do you notice he starts just like his his health is not awesome? Like, no. He, he, he well, responds he has to whatever goes on behind his him. eye that causes migraines. I'm done. I'm good with coaching, man. You've made enough money if you're Urban, Urban Meyer. You've got a, a national championships at two different schools. Hey, man, you've got some number yeah. one overall draft picks. Hey, bro. It's okay if you just go ahead and bow out gracefully, man. Like you'd be good if you did that early. Yeah, so it's starting to show. Sorry, but either way, I digress. You go on. You know, Oregon isn't Ohio State in the sense that you know they're probably going to be great for most of the season. You know, so they you put you you bank on that what you see at that point, not knowing that teams can grow, teams can mature, and that's what you saw with Washington State. Nobody saw Washington State winning the North, did you? I didn't. You know, but. That's more than likely going to be Still the case. Still to be Washington, though. Yeah, that's but that's more like, and I think they're going to beat Washington. I don't think Washington's the team that we thought they were at the beginning of the season. Now that the season's progressed, they're they're good, but I mean, we still, I they still have a lot of question marks around that offense. That. I think they might win that game. But um, the other thing too, again, before I get to the text line, I see your text. Don't worry, better you today. Text line five five three zero five is that the the way Oregon's schedule started the season with like the easiest non-conference schedule of all time. And a lot of the stats that you see thrown around about the team, a lot of that can be attributed to the great early part of the schedule as well. You're right. It's kind of to the point you're making of the early part of the season. It doesn't just mean that means how good the team is or how bad the team is for that matter. It, it really kind of hurts the view of the team if they start with that easy of a schedule. Now I understand winning those three games and you got three wins and it's good and now we're talking about an eight-win, nine-win team if they win the bowl game, and that changes the outlook of the season. But you have to remember, despite the wins, who they played. 
Yes. Right? You play Bowling Green and San Jose State, like, of course you're going to win those games. And frankly, you struggled against San Jose State, too. So that was the other thought is don't forget who you played when you're gauging the season. I think, again, to to agree with your point, you get lost in the game-by-game thing. Every fan does. You get lost in it, and you go, oh, we suck, or oh, we're the best, because it's an amazing win or a really bad loss. Like, the Utah loss last week was really, really bad because they lost Huntley, and they lost Moss, and you still lose the game. Um, the week before, I mean. And a lot of Duck fans were like, are you kidding me? Is this a real thing? And then you beat Arizona State and all is good again. It's such a game-by-game thing that trying to look at it in the big picture is tough, but that's you got to try to do that. Because every th- every weekend is, is an event. You know, every week is like a, this could be your season, especially in college football. You know, it, it's every single week changes from, you know, from game to game. And, you know, it's highs and lows. You know, we, one week Justin Herbert is the clearly the number one overall pick. Another week, it's, uh, well, he's kind of overrated and stuff like like, like Football gives you that opportunity. Basketball, not really. You know what I mean? The baseball, I, I guess. But football is that one sport to where, you know, things can change from week to week. You can be Fitzmagic one week and then back, right back to Fitzpatrick, you know, the, the very next one. And so when you see guys like, you know, Mariota who are have, able to have sustained success, it's, man, that guy, that team is great. And right now, you look at Justin Herbert and he's been up and down. You're like, uh, this team is just okay type thing. This, so. th- this team reminds me a lot of a, of a pro team that it has a lot of young talent. Like let, let's, let's take a the, the jets came out of the, out of the gates. Right. And they just blew the socks off the NFL week one, destroyed, dismantled Detroit. You saw that there is talent on this roster, but so much of that talent is young. So much of it's raw and so much of it has to be developed. So from game to game, you don't get that same level of, of play now let's let's transition to the college level this is a really young team in respect to what its talent was when we w- one of the biggest reasons Helfridge left was his fall off in the recruiting well we we saw an uptick in recruiting last year coming into this year but how many of those better recruits are are they're all so, young uh, they're all young yeah. all of them so I mean you, you look at it and you're going, this is what happens when you have a young team. You see the flashes. You see the flash. You saw the flashes in the first half. Consistency. You don't, you it's don't get the it consistency. Yet. And there is also the fact that you also have a coaching staff that's learning how to learning its position. You know, um, this this is in respect from every phase. Like we have had at Oregon coaches for like 20, 20 years in their tenure. That's that's not the situation there anymore everything has changed that is true and Here, so you, you just don't see the consistency here's a couple texts in the better you today text line five five three zero five each season i listen to programs like bama clemson ohio state say that their goal is to play for the championship what do i hear from teams like oregon we want a bowl berth if you're one and only goal is to be bowl eligible then that's the quality of your program there you go i like your point but i don't think you should include oregon in that oregon over the last decade has gone from we want a bowl berth to we want a championship Right. That's been the level of the program. Now, yes, it's taken a hit a couple of years. And me saying that this season was supposed to be a bowl season doesn't mean that that I think Oregon should be limiting themselves to that. Um, But you're right. That is a good point that a lot of teams who have surprisingly successful seasons all of a sudden start expecting that to happen all the time. And if you're not a blue blood elite program, it's really hard to get the continuity to do that. Yeah, but I, I think if you're the Ducks, 
especially if you're the Ducks fan base, man, you're thinking, man, you were a if it's if it's a thing about confidence, man, you're a, a fumble away from beating Stanford and being you beat Stanford and Washington, man, you're in the conversation for uh, at least the top ten well, or top fifteen then in you college. Be. You know what I'm saying? It's, and so by then you look at you beat those teams and confidence is sky high, even for those young kids. And you beat some. You, really, they were in the Washington State game up until well, at the, the second half of the Washington State game, they were in that game. But <laughs> it it looked bad for a minute. But yet and still, they almost won. So you keep seeing these flashes of what they're able to do is being able to, to sustain it. So I mean, just think about it, if if it works out and. Uh, Verdell, Verdell doesn't fumble right there against Stanford. You're looking at something much different. And they go go ahead and beat Washington State, and they have that last game-winning drive that actually works out for them. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're going, yes, the Ducks are definitely one of the best teams in the country, and they're definitely the best team in the Pac-12. Things are that much different based off of a couple plays. And so well, that's how you have to look at that as well. As Jimbo Fisher says, that's football, man. That's football, man. That's what happens. One more text. Uh, my attitude is every Pac-12 team has had weeks of feeling like the end had come. USC, UCLA, Stanford, Arizona, UW, Colorado. It's been rough on all of them. Yeah, like I said, the Pac-12 is down this year, clearly. It has one team holding up the flag for the conference. That's Washington State, and everybody else is just trying to get through the season and have a somewhat successful one at that. All right, that'll do it for our college football talk. Remember, we got already one question in, but a fantasy scramble is at 930. Text them to the Better You Today text line 55305. Coming up next, it's the West Coast Bias. How on earth did the stadium situation get so bad in Mexico City that they moved the game the week before, a game that had been planned for a year plus in advance? That's next. Here's Jesse with SportsCenter. It's time for some West Coast flavor. Yes, this is the center of the football universe. Don't oversell it. I'm not selling anything. Come on, stop milking it. I had the air in my lungs. I'd scream at you. This is West Coast Bias, an in-depth look at the NFL's Western teams on Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Eight thirty-six here on your Sunday morning. If you're joining us early, appreciate it because I literally only told you at eight a.m. that we were on because I didn't know until late this week that we were on at eight a.m. But appreciate you for listening. This is our West Coast bias, and I wanted to chat a little bit about the Monday Night Football game this week, which, by the way, is going to be incredible, Chiefs versus Rams. And its I don't want to chat about the game, though, which is sad. I want to talk about the fact that it was supposed to be a Mexico City game, and now it's being played in Los Angeles. So if you've seen the pictures, which I'm sure a lot of you have, if you haven't, they're pretty easy to find on Twitter. Look up, I think it's, uh, just look up Mexico City football field. And there's a an overhead shot of the Azteca stadium. It looks like I forget who said this. Someone said this earlier this week and I I was, it totally stuck out to me. It looks like in the dark night rises when Bane blows up the football field and it collapses into the ground. That's what the stadium looks like. It's so beat up. The field is so beat up. It looks like there's holes in the ground because of concerts that had been there and soccer matches that had been there. And I'm sitting here with two questions. One, you're telling me that if you are the stewards of said stadium and you know the NFL is coming and that you've probably paid money or they've paid a ton of money or whatever the case is, that you can't protect the field better than that? And then question two is, there's more soccer stadiums in Mexico City (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. You don't need to go to the one that has the worst field known to man that's causing players on both teams to go, yeah, I'm going to sit this game out. I can't play in that. It's gonna, I'm going to hurt myself. You can't move the game to another stadium? You're just going to go, well, I guess you go back to L.A. I, I, very strange to me that this has been set up for so long and it was in that deteriorate, that state of deterioration. Yeah, I mean – that's that's the NFL though, you know, you know, that's that's where they decided to go. I don't know why they didn't choose like a much you would think in Mexico City you'd find a a, a much better not much better stadium but one that's newer, nicer, newer and nicer. Well, you know I'm I mean? sure the stadium's fine, but they just let the grass get destroyed and they couldn't fix it. No, I mean and and maybe who knows, maybe they'll pull off some type of, you know, miracle before the game starts and you know, but well, but it's in L.A. now, so it's yeah. done. They're not going back. Oh, yeah, that, that's that's right. They're not going back. Yeah, no, back. it's Los Angeles. But, no, it was it's it, it looked pretty bad. I actually just had to Google a picture. It was like, yeah, yeah, I don't know if they really want to play there in the first place. I'm not sure what they were thinking about. Maybe it's just the, the, the most central location to be able to get to a game. I'm not sure. Maybe they were trying to be practical about it. But either way, it, that wasn't a good look. So moving the game back to L.A. is probably the best idea they could have. I mean, it was the best idea for the optics, right? You can't have – so there's a video, too, that I just saw from November 13th. So this was Tuesday. I think they made the decision on Tuesday. They were literally replacing the entire field two days before the game. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't strike a lot of confidence in me to play on it. So even if even if they had fixed the entire field, right, even if they had replaced everything, doesn't that seem – to you like it wouldn't it wouldn't be right like that you would have little pieces of the grass like coming up easily because it was two days prior i don't know anything about landscaping and and growing grass so i might sound like a complete idiot saying this so tell me if i do Uh, i probably am but i feel like i remember seeing quick fixes on fields go horribly wrong often in the nfl and in baseball they try to patch it up and it's just like oh there's a giant piece of grass now flung out of the ground and there's a dirt spot so I, I don't even trust that. You know, it's it's all just a weird thing. But the NFL op, for optics had to make this switch. No, They yeah. couldn't push this through because, especially because the two teams that are playing are the two best teams in the NFL or two of the three best teams in the NFL. Yeah, they'd be, they'd be shredded, you know, on Twitter and social media if that's exactly, you know, what happened. They'd be shredded on every, you know, sports talk show, like at least for the next couple of days, about how terrible that was and how terrible it looked and, how they need to figure things out from there. So, I mean, I don't know. I kind of want I kind of wanted to want to see what happened and how it looks. Sometimes it's good to watch car crashes. You know, sometimes I just wanted to see. Now, mind you, hoping all the players are safe because when you talk about patches of grass coming up and fields not being done, it becomes a, a safety issue. It becomes a performance issue as well. You know what I mean? If you thought it was hard to play in the snow, imagine if all your turf or grass or whatever you're playing on isn't set or um, – starts coming up or you get little rips in it and stuff. There, there's a, a multitude of things that can happen. So I'm glad they moved it to a place where you, you're probably going to get the best football game played. Well, and because, uh, because of the teams that is vital to me as a viewer. And I do wonder if this was a different game, if it was different teams, if they would have found a way to work around this and still have the game go on down there, but they don't want Rams chiefs with the potential for Tyree kill to tear his ACL just because he ran a regular route, yes. you know, um, they want Rams chiefs to appear to be a normal football game that has an even playing field. Although they're at home now for the Rams 
and give you the best possible game of Monday Night Football. And I, I don't pretend like the Monday Night Football aspect of this isn't important as well. Monday Night Football sucks now. They get the worst games. It is an abomination to watch. And finally, you get Monday Night Football with Chiefs Rams, and they both have one loss, and you're like, yeah, let's go. Well, now the NFL makes that decision to make it look better. Yeah. I get it. I get yeah. it. So, I mean, good job, NFL. Good job thinking about the viewers. Good job thinking about what they're going to say about you. And then also making sure your players were uh, in a position they could have the best game possible. Just reminds me of the um, Hall of Fame game a couple years ago when they they had they still had the wet paint on the field yeah. and and just basically all the players had to say oh I'm not gonna play on that I'm not gonna play on that at at this Did, didn't they like paint the grass green it, it yeah it was weird because like, it was bad they said it was like it was like a soggy wet paint the day they were supposed to play and it's it's that that's the weird thing where you know this is coming this big event it's going to be there why is it not prepared a week ahead of time you know this one this obviously was out of the nfl's control but this but was it though that that is a good point like the nfl is a gigantic entity and they should have basically when they made this that there there needs to be a schedule set up so that field is pristine when when we come to play and and it was anything but between the soccer games and the concerts and I mean that that's it it sucks for both parties because I think I think Mexico was really excited about having a, a football game there I know the last time they played in Mexico City it was a really popular event they 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 filled up that stadium it's a hundred thousand seat stadium and just on both sides I think it was blown yeah, and uh, we had a texter say Troy Aikman said it's a black eye for the NFL. Why is that? Why isn't it Mexico's fault? Because to me, I mean, yes, it's probably a lot of Mexico's fault for not protecting the field. But to me, you would think the NFL would have the the oversight, the ability to look forward and see that with a lot of use of a major stadium, if it's not being kept up, it's going to injure players in the big billion dollar nfl franchise you know mm-hmm. it's it's not good for them why wouldn't they keep a closer eye on it you know and that's the weird thing and, and someone texted in that it's kind of like mexico's wembley right so for those who don't know wembley stadium in, in london is where they have all of their big matches including the nfl games go over there as well although this year they played one in a, a tottenham stadium but they go all even like in soccer their big matches are at wembley in, in england at least they make that field pristine every day. Yeah. How is Estadio Azteca not pristine every day if that's your Wembley? That yeah. also doesn't make any sense. And if you're so if, in that, it might be And Mexico's, if you're the NFL the, and you know that the stadium ball. isn't awesome, like, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't have looked into other places to be able to hold that game. Like, I totally understand. Maybe it was the size and you and, wanted a certain amount of people there. I don't know. Oh, I get it. You know what I'm saying? I, I totally get it. But I, I figure if you're the NFL, you you would have multiple options, you know, not just that one. So glad LA was the other option. Make sure you can get yourself a good game. But it, it seems a little weird that, that was the only option in Mexico City. All right, let's take a break. Coming up next, Condoleezza Rice. This is the fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
people are going to release an album soon. I'd like I don't an- know. I'd like another one. Was Damn how Damn was about a year ago, right? I think so. I mean, I don't know, man. I, it's weird. I want guys to go back to letting their album ride. I understand you can't do that anymore just because things move so fast and you can be forgotten about within a matter of weeks if you're not relevant. That's why Drake makes the same album every four months, every six months. You know, he makes sure that he stays relevant and in the game. Like, he, Yeah, but there's a line, too. You can't keep making the same album because then people will finally catch on. Really? Because it's been 10 years for Drake, and he's he keeps making well, – I'm sorry, but I caught on early, but I guess yeah. some, um, some guess. It's, some it's just kind of one of those things, but Kendrick has enough cuts or he makes enough to where you can, you remember a time when we would buy an album and you could let let it go for like a year, get like four singles from that album yep. or something like that. That doesn't happen anymore. No, but not, I, well, Kendrick does do that though, because before Damn, it was Butterfly, what was it? The, to Pimp a Butterfly? To Pimp a Butterfly, is that what it was? Yeah. Um, that one, I think, was a, a year plus that we waited, too. I mean, when you get to be that good, I think you kind of have some freedom to do what you and want. And then these dudes just drop them out of nowhere. They don't tell anybody. They're just, oh, well, yeah, you know, Kendrick's album came out today, and then everybody just goes right. crazy. Like Eminem's new album. It was like, and we're here. All what? The, everybody did that. Jay-Z, Beyonce, I'm just going to drop a, we're not going to tell anybody. We're just going to put it out there. Like, okay, well, I guess it's kind of cool. Catch everybody off guard. It so. works, right? It works. It I creates it. buzz in a different way. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, so I, I ended the last segment, Condoleezza Rice? If this is your first time uh, listening to anything sports-related or reading anything sports-related today, the reports are out, and this is not from TMZ or randomfunblog.com. I thought it was from The Onion. This is from ESPN. Me too. This is from ESPN's Adam Schefter. This is from SI. This is from everybody, the real people, not the fake Adam Schefter. The Cleveland Browns are considering interviewing Condoleezza Rice to be their next head football coach. Yes, that Condoleezza Rice. In case you're trying to really, you know, Con- think about which one we're talking about. There's con- no other one. Condoleezza Rice one that, that I worked know for of. the Bush administration. Yes, that yes, one. Yes, the one who has been in sports recently, was on the college football playoff committee. Is she still on that committee? I or? don't think so. Yeah. Uh, also, from what I read, I did not know this, was part of a college basketball rules change that actually happened and was one who came up with ideas. So she is a sports person, and as we know, she is a very smart person. But to be the head football coach, Condoleezza Rice? I don't I don't understand. I don't I don't understand. Oh. I so just quickly, I'm reading the article. So they the Browns owners said they're they're uh, considering Hiring a woman to be the head coach. That's fine. I'm down with that. There's plenty of women coaches who are now getting in Why not? into positions in, in all sports. You know, Becky Hammond, for for one example, with the Spurs. And there's, we had the uh, first female, full-time female referee yep. uh, two seasons ago. So And there's some uh, female refs in the NFL, too. And there's a female assistant on the Raiders, I believe. So totally fine with it. It's not, nothing against women. It is 100% questioning how a former politician has the credentials to be a head football coach. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand. She's very smart. I know that. But what? Uh, that doesn't mean you can be a good football coach. I don't. I. This is the most Cleveland Browns thing that you can possibly think of. The minute you think this franchise is at a point to where they're trending forward, this is this is what they do. Now, I'm now I'm hopefully this is just a stunt by their PR department to get people to talk about, you know, something else as opposed to 
keep talking about Hugh Jackson or to keep talking about uh, the offensive struggles or the defense, you know, whatever the case is. You know, uh, maybe this is just a distraction created by PR to make sure that that happens. But they are on this, a bye this week, so what else are we going to talk you know, about the Browns? Exactly. For? But if this is indeed something the Cleveland Browns are thinking about, this is why the Cleveland Browns are where they are. This is exactly why. You know, th- that that's a decision that I don't think the Jets would make. I don't think the Dolphins would make. Any other bad franchise, I don't know if they're making that decision. They're definitely not making that decision. Now, mind you, I'm all for women's empowerment and women being able to uh, take part in major men's sports. Man, yes, there should be women's coaches. I'm sure there's women that know football for sure. You know what I'm saying? If you've never been to a a, a bar or something like that and met a, a, a woman who knows football, then you're probably tripping. If you have a friend, a lady, or something like that that knows football. So it's you can know football and be able to teach it and everything. I don't know if Condoleezza Rice has ever been a Pop Warner coach, if she's ever been a high school football assistant, if she's ever helped out with special teams. Like, I'm trying to diagram plays, you know, X's and O's. That's something that everybody can't do. The smartest people can't understand an NFL playbook. Like, there are guys that play in the NFL for, for years and still don't know plays in the playbook because it's that complex. So I, while I think she's incredibly smart, like, can't she? Would she be a good a good head coach? My answer is no, because you have to be a, can she motivate men to play the game? Can she motivate people to go out there? She might. She she might, but again, we don't know. And that's a that, that's what I'm saying. This is the Cleveland Browns, they're not going out to get an offensive coordinator. They're not even going out to get a uh like a film guy, like somebody like Spolster was, you know, bring him from the film room and and, and let them be the head coach. You're bringing in someone who has no previous experience. With At all. any type of coaching. Yeah. Like on any now, mind you, man, career coaching, all this, man, absolutely. I'm sure man Condoleezza Rice is a great person to take some career advice from. But football advice? I I don't know. Coming up with rules and legislation, that's something much different than coming up with the play for the last two minutes of the game. Well, and and the other thought too is if they're considering the Herm Edwards route of going, although granted, he's a football guy, um, a guy who basically lets his coordinators run all the play-calling stuff, and he's just motivator and timeout guy, right? Yeah. I mean, and there's more to it, but you know what I mean. I'm just I'm making a little joke about it. But that, that whole thing was he was a CEO, and the coordinators were the ones who ran the plays and the team. So I think if they were to hire someone like Condoleezza Rice, again, blows me away that I'm even saying that, purely would be a CEO type of move if it was for the head coach position, because she would just basically be the motivator, right? Which I think she probably could be um, just because she has experience and she probably gives good speeches and all that kind of stuff. But everything else football related would have to be left to the, co- to the coordinators but, and I mean, the and, position and, coaches. And maybe we're tripping. Maybe she does know everything about X's and O's. You know, maybe someone in that Browns organization know something that we don't and you know maybe they've had dinner together and found out that maybe you know on third down you should really you know pass it to the left who knows you know maybe that's been the conversation but as far as i know i think that's the case so it's this is again this is the most cleveland browns thing they can do this wouldn't be the first time that you've seen a coach that didn't play uh, I mean, that happens at the college level. It happens at the NFL level. Absolutely. Um, and I guess if it it could make sense from the fact that your coordinators run the offense, run the defense, and like you guys said, kind of the, the rah rah tactician knows when to call timeouts. I 
I, I imagine, you know, maybe she she's a law, lifelong Cleveland Browns fan, lifelong football fan, um, obviously a, a avid sports fan. And so I mean, we all think we can do that, right? Call timeouts. We, 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 no. we call uh, well, we no. call out we call out coaches all the time for not for, for mismanaging games and not knowing what, when well, to no, call no, no. timeouts. I think what and, we do is in hindsight, we go, why would you do that there? But imagine on the sideline, I'd be like, I'd freak out. Uh, I'd freak uh, out. I'd have no idea what to do. Uh, I'd just start running I, plays. Now, mind you, when I'm I playing Madden, running down the field. I, have a, I have a plan when I'm playing Madden. If I'm actually, man, on the sidelines calling plays, I'm freaking the hell out. Man. And, and see, I, don't know what, what, I, I mean, don't know what to do right there. That Well, yeah, you're freaking out. Condoleezza Rice has been the secretary of the state. You know, like this is a, this is a person who's been in high power positions. He, she's used to high pressure situations i mean come on she <laughs> she she worked under george w that's, bush that's, for the love of god and that's awesome but you know <laughs> this is this is the nfl every week for 17 weeks yeah, and you know and that's, that's that's much much different you know as far now mind you i'm sure she didn't make split 2 minute decisions when she was you know working with in, in the bush administration this is going to be a situation to where she's going to have to figure out with 13 seconds left when to take this timeout or if she's take that timeout or if she should punt with uh, with three minutes left in the game and, and the that's team where is down i think four. she would like, be good at like that see it's it's not putting players in good positions to win it's not it's not coming up with a game plan on offense or defense i think what she would do is all the other little intangibles that we criticize coaches for not being good at on the sidelines because she honestly one of the things that she would have the advantage of being more of the executive of the team is she doesn't have to worry about What's my offense doing? What's my defense doing? How do I put them in a good position? That's more on the coordinators. She gets to look at all the other facets of the game that could get lost because they're the little small things. She gets to focus on that well, because she's not worrying about the other stuff. That's why I brought up the Herm Edwards thing is that's the only way I could see it working. But it still just shocked me. You never expect to see that kind of a name. Anyone who's been a politician come across as a potential football coach. It's weird to me. It's just weird. And maybe it's because I've gotten so used to seeing the good old boy network of, you know, the Jeff Fishers get hired over and over again because that's what NFL places do. Mm-hmm. And the Browns are trying to be outside the box. So, well, hey, this is definitely outside the box. Outside the box. This, well, is, this is way outside the box. I'll say Mike Leach up at Washington State never played. No, and that's and, and so. I mean, he's one, got one of the most innovative offenses in college football. In, uh, well, right, but, but I don't I, think it has much to do with never being never playing. But Mike Leach also was around football for yeah, you know, he was his a, entire he was coaching a coach career. And an assistant, so if, yes. assistant. Yes. And my yeah. thing is, if Condoleezza Rice is going to work in the NFL, man, fine. Like she can. I mean, I don't understand why she couldn't be a coordinator or something like that. It just seems weird that you would hire someone with no experience in that. So if that's the case, I'm applying to be an architect. I have no experience with design oh. or, or being art art or anything like that, but I make, you know, I got pretty good ideas. You know, at the end of the day, I've got great ideas, right. so and we can do that. I think that's, that's a totally thing. different thing. Well, though. no, but that's the thing, Jesse, is yes, people go into football who have no playing experience, but they also have to, I guess, work their way up the ladder or they learn from a great, great, innovative coach too. Uh, I mean, Mike Leach started on, like the original air raid staff, like way back in the day. And that's why he became such an innovative coach. Does, 
I mean, give Condoleezza Rice a chance to learn the game as a as an assistant somehow, and then give that opportunity. It's, we, it's just or, to, or to be able to see like if 61. this is if this is for her. You know, working in the White House, you know, with with a multitude of staff, both men and women, is much different than working in an NFL locker room where it's all men. You know, that is that's and we're, we're crazy if we're going to say that that's not going to matter at some point. Yes, that's going to matter a, a, a lot to a lot of guys. Not everyone, but there are a lot of people that that is going to matter to. And who knows if there will be, especially never being in the locker room situation like that, never being uh, on the equipment staff, never being an assistant in any capacity. Yes, I think that's going to matter. I, I don't know. I, those little things, I that's where, once again, I don't think those are big deals because uh, you're, you're standing up to some little – um, a diva wide receiver as opposed to you got to sit down and, and talk to a, a diva president about why he's being an idiot. Um, she's been in what there's not a because single of strategy. <laughs> there's not a single thing I think in the NFL that could put her in a more pressure situation than what it, than her time in the white house. And so, so the pressure situation, I don't, I don't think that at all, is a problem now integrating a woman into the locker room that might be a problem but i think we've noticed that in the last couple of years these players are more in tune with it they're 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 okay with it i i think it just comes down to the x's and o's for somebody like this i just don't know how much she's been around you know i'm reading she's around that team all the time she's on the sidelines she she hangs out with the owner i don't know what exactly her experience is because she has such an eclectic experience uh, from politics to sports. I do think the sports stuff recently has been interesting too, and that would be helpful in a situation like this. All right, we got a break. I, We're way over. It's 9.02. We got to go. Okay. Um, next hour, Fantasy Scramble at 9.30, Hater Love It at 9.15, and I want to get to some of the games this weekend before we run out of time because there's a lot of important games for the playoffs in the NFL. That's all next here on Football Sunday on The Fan.